Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to have so much fun because we're going to be talking about something that I tell you what, most businesses, they're not already thinking about it. They need to be thinking about it. Um, and that's e-commerce. And before you all freak out and think, oh, we can't do that. Oh, that's expensive. Oh, that's difficult. It's really not. Um, and there's a variety of ways to do it. And so we're going to have such fun talking with Mike Begg today. And so please join me in welcoming Mike to our program. Welcome, Mike. Thank you for having me here, Deb. I'm really excited to speak with your audience about Amazon and e-commerce in general. Perfect. Oh, yeah. There's, it, it's funny. There's like Amazon and everybody else. You know, and you could, you know, we could probably put Walmart in there as a separate category and a couple more, but it's Amazon and pretty much everybody else. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's so interesting. And I actually remember before Amazon existed. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it really is very interesting. So let me tell people just a little bit about you and then we'll jump into this. Okay. So Mike Begg is an entrepreneur and expert in e-commerce, digital marketing, and operational nearshoring. Mike founded AMZ Advisors with his two partners in 2015 and has grown the business to managing over $10 million per year in ad spend and $100 million per year in Amazon sales. Mike and the AMZ team also operate AMZ courses, educating Amazon sellers on how to maximize sales on the platform. <coughs> Excuse me. Mike loves sharing advice and help on anything related to Amazon and building efficient businesses. So again, Mike, welcome. Thank you again. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good roundup of everything that I've done and everything that I enjoy doing. So cool. hopefully I have a lot of good insights for your oh, audience. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and I'll be honest, you're kind of a youngster. <laughs> it's it's always fun. You know, people who scoff at millennials, I'm like, oh, no, no, you don't know the millennials that I know. Um, because, you know, anybody in that age range, whether you know, it's a little younger or even a little bit older, and now granted, I'm talking to business people that are doing that. They are fabulous business people. Um, and in many cases, they do come at it from a different perspective. Yeah. But I love it. It's so much fun. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what's cool. Because you, know, you grew up computer in hand. Yeah. I didn't touch a computer till I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and then we had dumb terminals and also, oh, it was, you know, it was, it was Stone Age. Um, you know, and, and so to, to see things and how they have changed has been so cool. And to see how the generations have adapted is, is what's fun. Yeah. But, I think you know, so. Let's, let's go back just a smidge, you know, just mm -hmm. a little bit back in time. How did you determine that e-commerce is your passion? Wow. Uh, that's, that's a good question. Uh, it's kind of a long story. And I mean, I guess I'll just start from the roots and kind of how I got okay. into the entrepreneurial okay. side. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, originally I graduated school, 
uh, started working in consulting for the big mm-hmm. four, uh, for Deloitte, then kind of mm-hmm. got tired of that, realized I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, you know, really enjoyed real estate, got into working in retail real estate mm-hmm. with Sears uh, mm-hmm. and redeveloping their real estate as okay. things weren't going too great. Oh, no. Yeah. When they had to be redeveloped. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of the problem. It's a little too late at that point. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, that's kind of when the, the, the light went off in my head that mm-hmm. traditional retail has a problem and that e-commerce is kind of showing a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And from there, I started uh, selling my own products on Amazon, yeah. and then it eventually evolved into mm-hmm. the agency I have today, where I'm helping other agents or other companies and brands mm-hmm. sell their products on Amazon and cool. other e-commerce platforms as well. I love it. Now, you know, you you mentioned that you work pretty much exclusively, <coughs> excuse me, with Amazon. Mm-hmm. I think you know, even though it's been around for a while, many people don't realize that much of Amazon, most of Amazon, are third-party sellers. Um, yeah. you know, and, and that comes up every once in a while. I remember it came up a couple of weeks ago when somebody, when a third-party vendor was selling a shirt that, shall we say, had some questionable messaging on it. <laughs> um, and you know, it was political. Yeah. And it was anti-candidate. Um, and people were like, well, no, Amazon should stop that. Well, it's a third-party seller. Um, so when did Amazon really start having third-party vendors? Oh, uh, it's actually been a while. I mean, when I first, well, like, I, I mean, like you said, I grew up with a computer. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more used to that space mm-hmm. as part of my life. But even when it came to e-commerce shopping, I really didn't even start buying stuff on Amazon until maybe 2011, 2012. Right. That's really when it started to at least become popular mm-hmm. for me. And all that time, uh, you know, third-party sellers were selling on the platform. I mean, right. now I think it was in this past year's Amazon uh, mm-hmm. shareholder letter, uh, Bezo, uh, Jeff Bezos said that 58% of total sales in the Amazon marketplace were by third-party wow. uh, sellers. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge percentage of sales because mm-hmm. they're doing mm-hmm. billions in revenue on the platform. Right. And I mean, these sellers, a lot of people think that these are, uh, well, big companies or, mm-hmm. you know, foreign companies. But the reality is many of them are just one person, even right. two person operations that mm-hmm. are making a lot of money, just importing products mm-hmm. from another country and selling them on the platform. Right. You know, and I think that's, what's so cool about it is it is the small business owner who's doing this, but because they can leverage Amazon and, you know, and, and the shipping and, and all those various things. And we'll probably go into detail exactly how this works, but that, that's how they're able to, to reach not only, you know, the people on their block, but people, depending on what the product they've got, people around the world, um, you know, and, and so, you know, it's, it's a great platform for people. And they're not having, the, the nice thing is they don't have to develop the infrastructure because, you know, as I was, was saying at the very start, people think, wow, you know, I sh- I, it'd be great to sell something online, but oh my gosh, that's so complicated. I mean, just trying to figure out what you would do with shipping and with taxes is enough to, you know, make somebody really freak out. So by becoming a third-party vendor through Amazon, that's taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And when I think of, for me, when I think of a retail business and where the most challenging aspects are, mm-hmm. uh, it is the logistical side of it, mm-hmm. figuring out how am I going to get my product from mm-hmm. you know, wherever mm-hmm. it's being manufactured to my end customer, mm-hmm. and then dealing with the marketing and actually generating the sales. Right. The great thing about using Amazon is you can utilize their FBA platform, mm-hmm. Fulfillment by Amazon, mm-hmm. and they handle almost all of the logistics for you. So, I mean, right. you need to get your products mm-hmm. still into the country, mm-hmm. 
But after that, you can send it to an Amazon fulfillment center. Right. They will disperse the inventory across the country mm -hmm. so it's closer to your customers. Mm -hmm. They can get quicker delivery times. And then they'll actually handle the last mile delivery to get it to the end customer. Mm -hmm. It's not just here in the U.S. It's, as you said, in other places as well. You can do it in India. You can, you can mm -hmm. do it in uh, Europe. You can do it in Canada, Australia. There's a lot of different opportunities mm -hmm. and a lot of different platforms where you can have the logistics at least handled for you by Amazon. Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, and I've talked with some Amazon sellers before. And it's, it's very interesting. I mean, you know, I love knowing that, you know, Amazon tells you, hello, you're low on inventory, um, you know, and, and it might tell you, hey, we need, you know, we need stuff in Texas and we need stuff in Montana and we need stuff in um, Great Britain, you know, and, and so it really, because, okay, let's be honest, Amazon wants to make the money. So they, you know, they want to work with our third-party vendors, but it's obviously most important that the third-party vendor is paying attention. You know, if Amazon says we need stuff in Texas, they better get stuff to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, staying on top of everything, that's a huge part of it. The more units that Amazon can sell, the more that your product's mm -hmm. in stock, the better it is for Amazon, mm -hmm. but at the same time, the better it is for you. And when it comes to shopping online, I mean, yeah, we said there's Amazon, there's everybody else. Mm -hmm. But if you want to get your product discovered, you need to be in stock mm -hmm. and you need to be on right. Amazon or else right. no one will be able to mm -hmm. find you. Yeah, yeah that's, I think that's been probably one of the things that has frustrated people the most during the pandemic is the out-of-stock items. And, you know, and I mean, things happen. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out why everybody thought they needed cases and cases of toilet paper. But, you know, that's, you know, and, 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 and I still can't find disinfecting wipes. But you know, it's like, okay, whatever. Um, you know, and, and so things like that happen. I mean, you know, that's just, just you know, but it's, it is interesting how things like that happen. Um, you know, clearly we didn't plan on a pandemic. But as the business owner, you need to, to have a good grasp as, okay, you, you might have a seasonal item or, you know, things like that because you don't want people getting frustrated. I mean, you know, the, the worst thing is when you, you go and it says not available, out of stock, not available, out of stock, yeah. um, you know, because then somebody goes and, and they, they figure something else out and they, and they don't go back. You know, if you didn't have my exactly. toilet paper, I'm not going back to you. Exactly. Yeah, it's 100% it. I mean, brand mm -hmm. loyalty really doesn't mean anything to consumers mm -hmm. anymore. If they want a product, you're not there. They don't, mm -hmm. they don't really care as long mm -hmm. as they can get the product, they'll buy it from mm -hmm. someone else. Right, right. You know, and the other thing that, of course, the pandemic caused issues with is shipping. Um, for a variety of reasons, um, you know, and, and it's, it's one of those things, you know, I'm an Amazon Prime member. I've been an Amazon Prime member for quite a while. You know, my Amazon Prime membership pays for itself really pretty quickly just in the free <laughs> shipping. But it's like, well, what do you mean I can't get it overnight? Well, you know, I don't care that there's a pandemic. I want my whatever it is overnight. Um, you know, and, and they're getting back to, you know, being able to, to um, fulfill things much more quickly. Um, you know, they, they, I'm, I'm here in Atlanta. They just opened. I'm sure that, you know, it's not truly functioning yet. A big new fulfillment center um, on the, the other side of Atlanta. And, uh, but, you know, we, let's be honest, we got spoiled. We really got spoiled with, I can order it. And in some cases, I could have it within four hours, yeah. let alone the next day. Yeah. Yeah, the, the delivery times and the convenience that Amazon has mm -hmm. in their shipping was incredible. Right. It still is, but now there's definitely a lot more obstacles getting mm -hmm. there. And the reality is I think we're actually going to be headed to another period where it's probably going to get difficult for a lot of businesses right. again. This will be the first year that Prime Day 
falls within there's Q4. no prime day i know i was like wait a minute what do you mean there's oh. no prime day oh no there in is july actually. in july yeah mm-hmm. there's gonna be prime day in october this year it looks mm-hmm. like and then i mean when you think about the schedule you've got prime day oh and then, then we're going black holidays. friday cyber mm-hmm. monday holiday season mm-hmm. and then january and then it's chinese new year right mm-hmm. so if you don't have your inventory there's gonna be a lot of companies that are gonna really have some inventory mm-hmm. issues and manufacturing issues over the next few right. months so it does present a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. for businesses that are well run, that have mm-hmm. the right inventory stock, that you know aren't in danger of running out of product. But it's going to be an interesting time for mm-hmm. a lot of people oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, let's talk e-commerce in general. Um, you know, because I think, especially in this time of of pandemic businesses are switching to e-commerce. You know, we're not sure what's going to happen six months down the road, a year down the road, you know, depending on what your business is, you might not ever really have people coming in to your business again. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, tell us, I, I'm, I, and so what I provide is a service. I provide me. <laughs> and, and so it's not like, you know, so, so I don't know a lot about e-commerce. I have e-commerce on my sites because, you know, there are some things that we sell, but I'm certainly not selling a product. So what are some of kind of the first things that a business should be thinking about if they're going to transition into either all or part of their products on in e-commerce? Yeah. So when you think of e-commerce, there's really two different ways to be selling CPG goods. Mm -hmm. And one side is obviously building your own website, but Mm -hmm. building your own website has its own challenges. You Mm -hmm. need to be able to get traffic to it. You need to either run advertising Mm -hmm. or you have an existing email Mm -hmm. list to get people there and purchase the product. The discoverability for new people is also extremely hard because unless they're unless you're targeting them with an ad at the right time, right. showing mm-hmm. them your website or your product, it's very unlikely mm-hmm. that they're going to find your website right. organically. Yeah. On the other hand, there is the platform side, which is where mm-hmm. you have places like Amazon, mm-hmm. Walmart, Target, mm-hmm. uh, Etsy, eBay, mm-hmm. Wish, Zulily, all these other platforms. So these are the platforms that have the people and they have the eyes, but you know the brands don't matter as much. So in a way, if you are getting into e-commerce for the first time, starting on the platforms is a great way to get those initial sales because you already have people going there and you might not need to hit them with the ad. They might find it organically or you know, if you are hit, running a promotion or an ad at the right time, maybe they see your product, give it a try. But when you're it's a lot easier to go where the people already are when you're mm-hmm. launching your products right. online for the first time instead of trying to build your own traffic to your website. It's just right. more of a challenge. Yeah. You have to have, you know, if you're going to do it on your own, pretty much that built-in customer base already. That yeah. that you could reach out to. That's yes. the other thing. Um, you know, if you you might have had great traffic in your store, you know, doing a lot of business, but if you have no way to reach back out to those people, you know, it was, it's like they didn't exist. So, you know, if you've, if you've got that, that's great. Um, you know, because then you might be able to, to go on your own platform. You could, you know, email everybody and say, Hey, you know, you can now buy online. Um, you know, it's, it, oh, it's very interesting. I saw something, this squirrel, you know, every once in a while, my brain just goes. Um, so I'm from Colorado and I saw a post the other day from a business. Now masks are mandatory in Colorado and this was a candle shop. <laughs> and and they had posted outside and it was it was very I hate to say woo-woo, but it was kind of a woo-woo, you know, it was a woo-woo candle shop. And and the sign said, you know, if if wearing a mask in our store goes against our beliefs, if that is what you're going to do, please order online. 
And so there's lots of different discussions that people had about all of that. But, you know, were they prepared to, to handle? And, and it was their own website. I mean, they, you know, you went to whatever candle shop and, and bought stuff. And I mean, that was my first thought after getting over there. What the heck? You know, you, you don't want people in there with masks. But, um, but you know, they had to be prepared to, yeah. to, to take those orders online. And I don't think many businesses realize it's a heck of a lot more difficult than just, hey, somebody places an order. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to run uh, more of the omni-channel experience where you're selling online mm-hmm. and selling in store, it's really important to have a POS system so you can mm-hmm. track inventory mm-hmm. levels in real time, make sure that you know things you're saying that are available mm-hmm. on the website are actually available. Right. You're not oh, is, yeah, anymore. that's yeah. if I want that blueberry scented candle, they'd better <laughs> have that blueberry scented candle. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge problem for mm-hmm. a lot of companies is just coordination mm-hmm. between everything. So. I mean, the advantage of being on online and just primarily selling mm-hmm. online is it's much easier to manage your inventory in a right. single, in a single mm-hmm. place. Yeah, you can turn around and go one, two, three, four, five, six, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but, but you have to have the other pieces. You know, you might have your inventory, you might know it, but do you have the, the, the boxes? Do you have, you know, all of those various things that go along with shipping that item? Um, you know, and, and have you figured out, okay, are we going to do postage? Are we going to do UPS? Are we going to do FedEx? I mean, all of those various things, which, I mean, let's be honest, that's why it is easier to go through somebody like Amazon. Yeah. And I mean, I even have clients that sell on Amazon Mm -hmm. that ran out of inventory Mm -hmm. in their FBA warehouses when the whole pandemic Mm -hmm. uh, started picking up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they were selling directly from their warehouses, Mm -hmm. but they were shipping thousands of units per day, Mm -hmm. packaging themselves, everything. And I mean, that takes so much manpower to pull Mm -hmm. off if you're actually doing that type of sales. Mm -hmm. I mean, having a warehouse that can do the fulfillment Mm -hmm. for you saves you so much time and so much hassle. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and then, of course, there's it, – it, say you, you have items where you're doing thousands. I mean, that takes a storage facility. Yeah. So that takes you – know, you're paying rent there or you own the building, but there's utilities, there's costs, there's all sorts of things. Uh, and some businesses really are equipped to do it, you know, and, and can do it, and, and that's great. Um, but for many businesses, it really is the wisest choice to, to go with someone like an Amazon. Um, and Walmart has third-party vendors too. I mean, you know, that's that's where we've seen issues with them is, you know, when, when somebody puts something on there that isn't a product necessarily that they want to sell, um, you know, and, and, um, and I'm assuming Etsy, eBay, all of those will have issues on occasion too. Yeah. No, like you said, there are other services if Amazon's mm-hmm. not the one you want to use. I mean, Walmart has Walmart fulfillment mm-hmm. services, Shopify is starting to build out, build mm-hmm. out a fulfillment network. And there's other companies out there like uh, Deliver, Red Stack Fulfillment, mm-hmm. uh, among others. There, mm-hmm. There's so many 3PL companies right mm-hmm. now that are coming out and being able to provide these services to help people fulfill their e-commerce right. orders that it, it does make sense to kind of outsource that aspect of mm-hmm. your business if it's not something that you really want to be handling or that is your mm-hmm. strength. Right. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, you know, it, to me, how Amazon really took off. Um, you know, I mean, you talk about a smart business plan. You know, they started, they obviously started small. Yeah. They started with books. I remember when Amazon only sold books and the big guys, Barnes and Noble, you know, borders, some of those went, that's not going to work. 
<laughs> and of course it did. It it took off. And it is kind of amazing with with books because you know so many people want to see the book. They want to touch the book. Um and we have um we have a a friend that has a, still an independent bookstore in Birmingham, Alabama. And we were talking with him and and he was saying, you know, many people have a book, specific book that they want to buy. They know that's what they want to buy. It's a certain author or whatever. So they can go to Amazon and they can buy it. But he said most of the books that he sells are the people who go in and get the, the one book that they wanted and then they browse mm-hmm. and they go, ooh. And, and of course, with a book, you see the cover. You read a little bit and you're thinking, oh, that sounds good. And that's really hard to do on Amazon. Um, but clearly, it works for them. Um, and when Barnes & Noble and the, the other big guys went, that's not going to work, they misjudged. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, plenty of companies have made mistakes. Like I said, I mean, I came from my experience at Sears. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Sears was the dominant retail Mm -hmm. brand, even in the early 2000s. Everyone knew Sears, everyone was going there to shop. Mm -hmm. I mean, they Mm -hmm. bought Kmart, they they had two of the largest retail footprints in Mm -hmm. the US. Right. And they completely misjudged Mm -hmm. the shift online. They misjudged the uh, the customer, the age of their Mm -hmm. customer, how they were losing younger customers. And you know, they were completely unprepared. Mm -hmm when we actually got to the point where more and more people were shopping online and foot traffic continued to fall within stores. Right. Yeah. And I wonder if it's exactly what we were talking about at the start that, you know, the, the generations coming up behind us oldsters here (laughs) are so used to doing everything on a computer that that's just where they're going to shop too. Um, You know, and, and I'm not much of a browser anymore. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to buy something, I know pretty much what I want. Um, You know, and, and so, I can I can just as easily buy it online, except groceries and and clothes. <laughs> Those two things I still want to go and see and touch and and um, even even in the pandemic. Um, but yeah, I think I think the up you know the up and coming generations are saying you know what we're used to doing everything online. That's just where we're gonna gonna stay. Yeah, I mean grocery is a good category, and that's a good one to bring up because the the rise of grocery is just increasing year over year. Mm-hmm. I mean. I believe the projections last year were that grocery sales online mm-hmm. were going to reach 100 billion by 2022, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure because of COVID that that has actually been moved right. up. Oh yeah, because it went kaboing. <laughs> oh yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, grocery is a huge opportunity. I mean, I believe I'm I'm not sure. I believe the total numbers last year for grocery sales were about 615 billion dollars mm-hmm. in stores. Right. And as more and more of that starts shifting mm-hmm. online, there's mm-hmm going to present more and more opportunities mm-hmm. for grocery brands to get in there. I mean, right now, the traditional grocery model is you need to negotiate and get your space on the shelf mm-hmm. and deal with all of that. Mm-hmm. With Amazon or any e-commerce platform, mm-hmm. even Walmart, you just skip all of that, mm-hmm. just get your product out there. And then it's right. a matter of doing the marketing yourself and getting it in front of the right people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's it has been interesting to watch during the, the pandemic, how the stores have had to adapt to People aren't going to come into the stores, um, especially grocery stores. And, and so they've gone with varying, varying shopping cart issues, things like that. Um, you know, and, and when this first happened, I remember you know, people would go, oh, my gosh, we placed our order. And they say it will be to us in three days. <laughs> well, that's yeah. not really going to work. You know, if I yeah. want my, my Fruit Loops, I want my Fruit Loops now. But that was because it was, oh, my gosh, we have to do this now. Um, you know, and, and, and they clearly had to work bugs out and, and things like that. I had one friend that placed an order and she said she got all this big delivery and it was not her order. <laughs> it was, you know, she got all this great food, not her order. So she called the store because she's like, I don't know what to do. She called the store and, and they said, once it leaves here, 
It's, it's not ours. It's whatever the delivery platform was. And they said, you can call them, but you know, and, and she said, well, I can't even find a phone number for them. Um, you know, and, and all those things. And, and she said, well, but she said, a, what do I do with all this food that I don't want? And they said, well, it's yours. Yeah. Do what you want. And, and they said, and you don't pay for it. You know, there's the, and she said, but I want my food. She said, that's the thing. I need my food. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so there were glitches like that. Now you don't hear about those nearly as much anymore. And you know, things like that'll happen. I mean, you know, yeah, you order takeout, you get the wrong order on occasion, but, um, but yeah, it's, it was interesting to watch. And they, I mean, they ramped up pretty quickly to be able to, to take orders online and, and get them delivered. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's early days for grocery still on e-commerce. Mm. There's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be mistakes like this and on the fulfillment side as well. But that's why right now, I think in the immediate future, omni-channel for big mm-hmm. retailers like Walmart, like Target are going to be very important because mm-hmm. uh, programs like click and collect like mm-hmm. or curbside pickups or whatever they're called, you make place your order online, you know, you're running out to get something else. Mm-hmm. You stop by and pick up your food. Yep. It makes it it's still that level of convenience without mm-hmm. actually having to go into the store. But at the same time, it, you're able to at least, you know, make sure that you get the product when you need, instead of having to wait two to three days for something. Mm-hmm. That's not a reality right now. Mm-hmm. But when we think about the future, when it comes to grocery uh, companies like Target, like Walmart are positioned very well because of their, the retail footprints mm-hmm. are so close to the right. major population centers that they can actually handle the last mile delivery really mm-hmm. well. It's just going to be a matter of making sure that they can get that delivery reliably mm-hmm. within a certain time window, probably in the same day. And I mean, mm-hmm. once that happens, I think the shift to online grocery shopping is just going to continue to increase. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's cheaper in the <laughs> long run because when I go and browse, I'm like, ooh, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. As opposed to shopping online where I went, here's my list. Yeah. <laughs> and and so when I go and browse, I get my list and extras, um, yep. you know, and, and, but, but yeah, it's, and, and then of course, you know, the, the nice thing was we had that, the pivot from people like Uber and Lyft drivers who went, hmm, nobody wants us anymore, <laughs> but hey, we can deliver food, you know, from yeah. restaurants and we can be delivering things from, from stores also. Yeah. I mean, the gig, the gig economy has like mm-hmm. been vital in this entire shift right. and, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of talk about regulations and things that are going on right now. And that's obviously going to have an impact Mm -hmm. on this specific aspect Mm -hmm. of it. But I mean, this is just the short term solution. The longer term solution is going to be companies uh, developing their own fulfillment capabilities, Mm -hmm. which is what we've already seen with Amazon. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see more with Walmart. Right. Right. And, you know, and and I, I think probably out of everybody, Walmart is probably the only company that can give Amazon a run for their money, um, you know, and, and, and that's just because they're, they were so big to start with. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Walmart has a very large selection of products. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of opportunity to compete with Amazon. Mm-hmm. They're still behind in a lot of aspects, right. primarily, I mean, from our experience in managing different platforms, primarily on the advertising side, mm-hmm. advertising on, Am- on Walmart is still very difficult. It's mm-hmm. hard to get uh, mm-hmm. the results you're looking for compared to a platform mm-hmm. like Amazon which has been doing this now for, for years and they've developed so many more advanced tools, so many better ways for uh, the companies, the mm-hmm. sellers to actually reach the end customer through different advertising placements. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're light years ahead, but right. if Walmart invests that time in the advertising side and makes it more friendly for shoppers mm-hmm. and for advertisers to get on there, I mean, I think they can easily right. compete with Amazon mm-hmm. and start stealing oh, yeah. more of the market share mm-hmm. back in the e-commerce yeah. space. 
Well, and I think they're behind also because they assumed, and this is pre-COVID, that people still wanted to come into the stores. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to go in the store, you're going to go in the store. Walmart's, you know, there are people that, you know, this is my day to go to Walmart. That's my mother. Um, you know, and 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 then when they had to immediately make a, a shift, it just took them a little bit longer. But as you were saying, the nice thing is they already had that space, that capability. About the only thing they didn't have were the drivers, yeah. um, you know, the, the people that could do the deliveries because they had, you know, they had the people in the stores already that could be pulling the things off the shelves and, and all that. They just didn't have a way to, that was why it took somebody three days to get their groceries. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, it's going to be a learning curve, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're well positioned to help that last mile fulfillment and just get you the products you want in a reasonable amount of time. Just going to take more investment and more time, right. unfortunately. Right. You know, and, and it is hard for a small business to, you know, because they're thinking, but I, I like my brick and mortar. I like seeing customers, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, there, people, people want to shop in different ways. And, of course, the cool thing about e-commerce is now you've opened up the market to the world. Um, yeah. You know, back to the, the gentleman I was mentioning that, that owns his bookstore, he has been able to stay open and stay, or not stay open, stay functioning yeah. and running very well since the pandemic started simply based on online orders. Um, now, he has a very niche market. He sells first edition signed books. Ah, okay. So, you know, the stuff they're on, you know, the, the bestseller list, all those various things signed by the author. And, and the key is he sells them at retail price. He doesn't mark it up to, to do, you know, to, to be able to say, hey, it's, it's been uh, signed by the author. So it's, you know, as far as he knows, he's the, and, and that's all he sells. Yeah. As far as he knows, he's the only company anywhere in the world that does that. Um, so, you know, they shut their doors. They say, hey, you can't come to us. And we're like, okay, we go to the website. Oh, we went that one today. Yeah. Um, you know, but he said it, it is trickier because people aren't, you know, you're, you're not doing the browsing. Yeah. So they have had to redo their website to kind of have browsing, um, yeah. which is the other thing, you know, if you're going to do this on your own, you, know, you have to make those shifts so that people can find products and services. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's a learning curve for everyone. Every small business mm-hmm. has the problem. And I, I'm not make, trying to make it sound like this is doom and gloom in the end of retail for everybody. I mean, oh, I think it's going to be great. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I, I think the reality is the ones that are going to face mm-hmm. the largest issues mm-hmm. are larger retailers mm-hmm. that don't have like a, a, a big competitive advantage. Right. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we've already seen it. We were talking about it earlier. Lord and Taylor. Yeah. Lord and Taylor uh, went Sears. out last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lord and Taylor, Sears, uh, JC Penney, Macy's, mm-hmm. all these companies have big issues right? because they have stores that are way too big. They have mm-hmm. so much inventory to mm-hmm. fill them that they can't sell. Mm-hmm. I mean, small retail stores will probably be fine in, in small retail right. stores like mom because and Because they've places. got that little niche. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And they're, they're within the community. Mm-hmm. People know them. I mean, mm-hmm. they will always have retail traffic and right. foot traffic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, e-commerce amplifies their reach because you can still have your mom and pop little shop. But now, I mean, you can reach people in you know, Europe, in India, wherever you want with the same products. Mm-hmm. And essentially expand your footprint almost uh, unlimitedly. Right, so. right. You know, and the the big stores that have had issues. We were talking about this before we started. Something like Lord and Taylor. You know, all of those. The pandemic accelerated it, but it <laughs> yeah. didn't cause it. Yeah. You know, they were already having issues with the amount of traffic. Um, you know, all those things. And you know, let's let's go back even further. Shopping malls. You know, it, that's just one of those things that more and more 
you know, even in say, say last December before Christmas, you did not go to a mall and see it crowded like you would have five, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, luckily I, I don't really remember how crowded the malls were on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I mean, I've, I've been shopping online long enough that mm-hmm. I don't remember it, but the reality is that malls are changing a lot. And if you're not in, uh, you know, coming from the retail real mm-hmm. estate side, there's different types of malls. You have your A malls, your B malls, your C malls, and then so on and so forth. I mean, the malls that are really in trouble are the, the C and B malls. The C malls are probably already closed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, while I was at Sears, I was doing some deals mm-hmm. with companies. Right, they had like, the big anchor stores on yeah. either end. And then lots of little guys in between and, and you walked around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to store, going to some of these malls when I was working for Sears and just mm-hmm. seeing how sad they look. But oh, I know mm-hmm. a lot of them are being repurposed. A lot mm-hmm. of them have been turned. Uh, comp- I did one deal where we sold a property to FedEx, uh, oh. so they could use it for warehousing. Oh, okay. Amazon mm-hmm. has bought malls, mm-hmm. um, so they're repurposing a lot of them. Mm-hmm. The real malls that are going to be around are the A type malls, which mm-hmm. is where you have, you know, your designer brands, the, the right. really high end stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're probably going to still be okay because the type of people that are shopping for those products really want to be seen shopping for them as well. So right. it's kind of like a mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, a, it's not the same feeling for them if they're buying a Louis Vuitton bag on, on mm-hmm. the Louis Vuitton website as it is going. going to they definitely have to touch it and smell it. Then you know, all exactly. those things. Um, you know, and, and yeah, the repurposing is, has been interesting. Some of the things that I've seen, have, they've even been repurposing them as homeless sh- uh, shelters, oh. uh, you know, and, and because, I mean, it's a building, it's got plumbing, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, and so they're, they're able to partition areas off and, and it's, you know, it's not permanent. I mean, you're not moving in there for, for very long, but you're able to get in for a while. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and I thought that was very interesting that that was a, a great way to repurpose some of these. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different new purposes coming around. I mean, I worked on a few malls, uh, one in Portland, one in Arizona, uh, and some other locations where they're completely repurposing them for different uses. So for example, uh, the one in Portland, we were building, uh, apartment buildings, Mm -hmm. office space, medical space. So essentially you could have your entire life within the mall. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's, it's a stra- It's probably strange to think of it now, but in the future, when we're thinking of mm-hmm. convenience, maybe this right. makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going back almost to the concept of say a New York neighborhood where you had everything within just a couple blocks. You know, people lived on the upper stories of the buildings, and then down below, you had the you know in the mid range you of the buildings you had the the say the the attorneys, the doctors, you know, people like that, and then the bottom levels are the little mom and pop stores, the grocery stores, you know, the little clothing stores, things like that. And I mean, clearly that's worked for many, many years. And, and I think people, and, and, and they, you know, you add in the fact that they then did not have cars. And I think, you know, one of the things that is obviously going to to really be affected for a while is going to be mass transit. Um, You know, we're, we're not, you know, we might drive in our car somewhere, but we're, that's, you know, no subways, no, no buses, no trains and no planes, um, you know, for, for quite a while. And, you know, so we want everything in, in one place. Yeah, I think this is kind of an interesting uh, point. This is where we in you know the U.S. and even in probably in Canada, we're probably a little bit different than cultures in Europe, for example, where 
Europe, everything's a lot more walkable or, right. you know, they're riding bikes mm-hmm. and they have all their local stores and they can buy everything there. E-commerce adoption in those places mm-hmm. has in Europe, for example, hasn't been as popular mm-hmm. as it has been in the U S and in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, just mainly because of convenience. But yeah, I mean, you're right. As, as things are being built mm-hmm. for, uh, more convenience with shops closer, we probably will continue to see mm-hmm. retail foot traffic, uh, in places like that, where you can mm-hmm. you know walk outside and, your grocery stores across the street or there's a fruit stand or like basically. And you went every day, you know, yeah. that was, that was the other thing. Um, yeah. Know, and, and, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because growing up, I grew up in the mountains of Colorado, very, very rural area. You know, we had some stores in town, but they were very small stores. And so once a month we would drive to another state. <laughs> <laughs> we drove to Wyoming to Laramie, Wyoming and did your grocery shopping, um, you know, and, and you bought your staples and things like that for a month, um, you know, and, and that was just kind of what you did. And, and you know, obviously, e-com- the internet didn't exist when I was little. Let's just be honest about this, um, you know, and, and so, you know, we did that, but it was, it was an excursion. You know, you yeah. went, you spent all day Saturday or all day Sunday, you went out to Laramie or you went to, you know, Steamboat or Fort Collins or, or something like that. And, and it was just what you did. You know, it's, it's funny. I saw somebody on Facebook the other day posting, hey, I need it from, from this little town. I need a prescription picked up in Steamboat <laughs> Springs, which is 65 miles away. Anybody going over there? And my first thought was, they can't mail it. <laughs> you know, that really did just, I was like, well, that one didn't. You know, so I don't know quite, you know, if they needed it faster than mail could get it there or whatever. But yeah, um, but yeah I mean, I grew up where we had to travel. And so e-commerce would have been great. Um, you know, it, it would have been so wonderful to not have to do all of that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a different experience than anything I've ever had growing up in the Northeast. I mean, I grew <laughs> up with everything right there in my footsteps, right. but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's awesome now that with e-commerce, no matter how remote you are, it's mm-hmm. still easy to get everything you want shipped right. to you pretty quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously the closer you are to a major population center, the faster the delivery time is going right. to be. But as Amazon continues mm-hmm. to open up their fulfillment network, mm-hmm. like the new place you talked about mm-hmm. in Atlanta, I, I believe last week, I think I read that Amazon opened 17 new fulfillment mm-hmm. centers across the entire country. Yeah. The more and more fulfillment centers mm-hmm. they open up, the faster delivery is going to get right. for everyone and the mm-hmm. more convenient it's going to be mm-hmm. for anyone anywhere to get mm-hmm. their products. Right. Yeah, you know, and and there will still be remote places. I mean, you know, it doesn't make sense to have, you know, a a million square foot warehouse in Montana (laughs) or Wyoming, but you just don't plan on it coming right away. Uh, You know, and and, but I I tell you what, I want to order something that's under five pounds to see if I can get the drone. Um, I'm (laughs) guessing Atlanta will be one of the places where they they approve drones pretty quickly. Um, But, but, you know, I I talked with somebody, I guess it was last year in Australia, who Mm -hmm. was one of the first Amazon people down there. And, and he said, yeah, you know, we can get stuff in the outback now. And, yeah. and you didn't used to be able to do that. Now, of course, the trick is, do they have internet? You know, can they, you know that's, that's the other little hitch that's, that goes on with that. But, you know, for that, I also see, okay, Amazon's going to start putting in towers or partnering with somebody who, who provides that. And, it, we're going to have to have that no matter what because of the pandemic. I mean, that's been the other thing that one of the big issues with homeschooling is children don't have access, reliable access to the internet. So you can have all the, the best laid plans in the world for, for doing online schooling, but if the kid has no access to internet, there's an issue. Yeah, I mean, there's interesting uh, product adoption in the e-commerce space mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, no matter from, it varies so much from country to country. Mm-hmm. Like, 
mobile shopping in the US is getting more and more popular, right. but I mean, I live in Latin America. Mm-hmm. In Latin America, mobile shopping is almost all the shopping that's done mm-hmm. online. And it's the same with, uh, with Southeastern Asia. Like mm-hmm. the, those generations that are shopping online are growing up with phones and yep. doing all their purchasing from there. And it's mm-hmm. a lot easier for them to get access to the internet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, wh- where we might be used to buying things more with computers in the US, I mean, every, literally everywhere you go in the world is different. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Europe, they're more used to walking right. to their stores and getting things. So like the entire concept of e-commerce is different and, it, and it's difficult to adapt to that mm-hmm. between different marketplaces. So that's why it's kind of, you need to figure out you know, where your priorities are when you're, when mm-hmm. you're getting into e-commerce and where you want to focus your mm-hmm. attention, what marketplaces, and then creating the strategy to make it the most convenient for right. that marketplace. Right. Yeah, because let's be honest, it, it's not for everybody, um, you know, and, and, and so that would be the first thing that somebody really needs to think about. So let, let's delve into this even, you know, let's, let's go into this in detail, and we're just going to talk Amazon. That's uh-huh. who you work with, um, okay. you know, and, and you know, if you work with Amazon, then the, it could probably transition to a lot of the other guys too, so that's, that's all right. Um, so you know, what type of businesses are best suited to, to, to become a, a third-party seller on Amazon? Well, I mean, the reality is any business can do it. It's mm-hmm. not that hard. And mm-hmm. Amazon has taken a lot of the, the uh, a lot of the challenges with the logistical mm-hmm. side and made it a lot easier for these businesses. But with that being said, companies need to be more nimble. They, mm-hmm. they, there's too many companies and we, uh, Lord and Taylor was a good example of it. They're, they're, they were, they had these problems coming for years. Mm-hmm. Same with Sears companies that are too slow to adapt and make these changes or that have too many levels of bureaucracy and decision makers, mm-hmm. they're going to have less success in the platform. Cause the right. reality is all these sellers that are doing third party of their nimble, mm-hmm. they're, you know, like I said, one or two person businesses, mm-hmm. they're small. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be successful as a big business. It's just that you need to be willing to move mm-hmm. quickly and make mistakes to be mm-hmm. able to take advantage of the platform. Right. right. You know, and, and if you're thinking about going on Amazon, I mean, one of the things, and this just always amazes me. So I just opened this. Um, so at the very bottom of every Amazon page is the list of the companies that they own. And I'm always astounded at some of the companies. I'm like, really? Amazon, Amazon owns Zappos. Yeah. That one, that one always surprises me. Um, some of these I've never heard of. Shopbop, okay, don't know what that is. <laughs> IMDb, that one kind of yeah. surprised me. I mean, you know, clearly that's an, an online video streaming service. Um, I knew that they obviously had had bought Whole Foods. Yeah. I'm guessing they're probably going to delve even more into you know whether it's the organic market or just you know regular markets. That's going to be something. Ring. In fact, my my doorbell rang earlier today, and it was like, oh, look, there's Amazon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's so for people thinking, well, Amazon doesn't sell what I sell. I'm guessing they probably do, you know. And and so yeah. that's that's the other thing. So look on that list and just see, you know, does your product fit there or a product that you're interested in? Yeah, and I mean, pretty much every category is available on the platform. Mm-hmm. Even service providers can be on the mm-hmm. platform. You can also even sell uh, non-physical goods. So, I mean, for example, insurance agents can be selling on the platform. Huh. Uh, and you can also advertise. I no idea. Yeah, yeah. They have uh, what's called the DSP, the demand side platform, mm-hmm. which is where anyone can run ads, whether they're you know, selling a physical mm-hmm. good or a non-tangible mm-hmm. good, uh, and utilize Amazon's uh, dem- demographics mm-hmm. and targeting capabilities to find customers that they want to target. Mm-hmm. So, 
I mean, literally any product can be on Amazon. It's just a matter of whether you're actually physically selling a good through the platform or whether you're just primarily doing advertising for your website mm-hmm. or your product or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And those networks that you talked about, like like uh, the movie one, I I I M D B. I, IMDb. <laughs> I, I always get the letters confused. I know. I was like, and I'm sure it stands for something that I don't know, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I have no idea. But platforms like that, Goodreads is another one. Mm-hmm. You'll be shopping through those, and you'll see Amazon ads like on right. the sides, on the tops, everywhere. Right, it's just like and, if you're watching TV, reading a magazine, you've got ads on Facebook. I mean, you know, all these ads yeah. pop up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these are all ads that sellers have access to run mm-hmm. when they're selling on the platform. So mm-hmm. there's a lots of different ways to reach your customers, whether you're selling products on Amazon or, or not. It just right. is the matter of figuring out what the best mm-hmm. solution is for you. Okay. So say you're a service provider. Uh-huh. You know, do you set up an account with Amazon? How, how would you go about that? Yeah, there is a special platform for uh, service providers. Mm-hmm. So on the Seller Central side, or on the third-party side, if you're mm-hmm. selling a physical good, it's primarily through Seller Central. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't remember the name of the platform for the, sh- the service providers. It's there. Uh, yeah, but it's there. You can get listed <laughs> mm-hmm. on the platform. And then if you want to run advertising, uh, because you don't have a product, mm-hmm. you, you need to use the demand side platforms, mm-hmm. DSP. And DSP has ad, ad buy minimum. So you have to invest a certain amount of money. Okay. But again, there's still opportunities mm-hmm. for you to advertise on there mm-hmm. if you are a service provider. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm scrolling through the, the homepage and I just, you know, open up Amazon. And it's asking me if I'm an Amazon or Amazon, an Arkansas Razorback fan. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and I, I, it's like, well, somehow some bots messed up because that would definitely not be. Um, and, but, but yeah, it's making suggestions. And clearly, or I'm assuming I should say, the, the suggestions have been paid for. You know, companies are paying to be a suggested item. Is that true? This or is it a big selling item or is it just kind of a combination of a bunch of things? It's a, it is a combination of a bunch of things. And this is one of the, the things that Amazon's really come under fire for uh, mm. with a lot of their antitrust uh, okay. Okay. stories is how are these suggested products actually featuring within the platform? And okay. a lot of, a lot of uh, brands, uh, customers might be aware that Amazon has its own private labels. I mean, Amazon mm-hmm. basics is pretty well known, right. but mm-hmm. they also have, last time I saw it was 125 different other private brands mm-hmm. that they sell on the platform that probably aren't as well known. And a lot of the confusion comes because a lot of those products end up showing up as the suggested product, which ah, kind of creates so, an issue. Yeah. There. It's like, okay, did you just bump your other guys to give your own priority? Exactly. And that's, that's where a lot of the debate is and you know, where the, on the antitrust side mm-hmm. where people are worried about it. But the reality is anyone can uh, get more visibility through the mm-hmm. platform and get the bestseller badge or the Amazon's choice badge just by doing certain things within the platform. So for example, in our experience, if you want to get the Amazon's choice badge, you need to start, uh, you need to figure out what the keyword you want to get it for is. So let's say if you want to get it for, I don't know, tennis shoes, uh, you need to start spending a certain amount of advertising dollars mm-hmm. on the keyword tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Customers start to need to start buying your product on the word tennis shoes. And the more sales you get, the, the higher likelihood right. you have of getting mm-hmm. the Amazon's choice. Amazon's choice also comes into play when you're doing uh, voice ordering through Alexa mm-hmm. and Echo and all those things. Oh, okay. um, so when you're saying, Alexa, I need uh, tennis shoes, mm-hmm. if your product is showing up as tennis shoes, there's a good right. chance so that it's basic it's SEO almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's voice SEO mm-hmm. now. So at right. this point your product is going to be the one purchased because you have mm-hmm. the, 
uh, Amazon's right. choice for tennis shoes or whatever mm-hmm. the keyword is. Yeah. So you have to figure out, I mean, it, it really is, it's just like doing SEO in, in Google. Yeah. You have to figure out what those keywords are. I mean, yeah. you know, tennis shoes, sneaker, Oh, I can't think of anything else now. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, all those various words that somebody might use to describe your product. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, in reality, that's probably about 60% of the work we're doing is just doing the keyword research. And we do oh, okay. it through utilizing mm-hmm. third-party software to mm-hmm. figure out what other people are advertising mm-hmm. on or what other people are indexed within mm-hmm. the platform mm-hmm. for. And then we're also running advertising campaigns, seeing which keywords we think are going to do well and finding out what keywords other customers are searching for that are mm-hmm. coming to our products. So mm-hmm. keyword research is a huge part of selling on Amazon and, and the way that you're going to maximize mm-hmm. the reach that you're going to be able to get right. through the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Because we certainly, when we're typing it, are using keywords. Yeah. You know, we're saying, you know, blue tennis shoe lace. Yeah, you know, and and you know, and, and so the more descriptive, and but what I you know, it is annoying when it brings up things. I'm like, no, that's not anywhere related to my product, and so I wonder how that works. But you know, because Google's got it, you know, they they know people game the system, yeah. and you know, and, and they're going to put in there like their competitors mm-hmm. and and all sorts of things, and and um and you know, it used to be when you programmed a website, and you don't do this as much anymore, is you had keywords and you could put in certain things, and people did. They put in their competitors. They put in misspellings which i mean that's that's a good thing to do but you know all these various things and google went no 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 no, that's cheating you know (laughs) you can't put in your biggest competitor name so say you're kmart putting walmart in as your keywords that's not acceptable um you know and, and i think maybe in amazon especially since i'm seeing stuff that's like i'm sorry that's not what i typed in why did that come up maybe that's where some of that still needs to be fine tuned yeah, I mean, some of it, uh, Amazon's making updates constantly. So mm-hmm. one of the things that they are very uh, against right now is, like you said, including competitor names within mm-hmm. the keywords. That's something you don't want to do. Right. Um, but at it's the same tricky, time. Especially if somebody refers to that, like Kleenex yeah, would Kleenex, be one of yeah. the, the hardest things. I mean, you know, it, Q-tips, are you Kleenex one. or are you a tissue? Yeah. <laughs> those those, those are very, very difficult uh products to compete with. So if you have a product that is like the known one, Kleenex is a perfect one. Q-tips is another one. Um, Coke, Coca-Cola. Coke, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In certain parts of the country, everyone calls every soda. Any Coke. soda is Coke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting because uh, it's, it's regional. I mean, tennis shoes can mean a lot of different things in different places. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's one of the things is figuring out the keywords you're going to rank for. Uh, a lot of times, if there aren't a lot of results for the keyword you're searching for, it just could be because, be because you know, the way you searched it isn't the right way or mm-hmm. the way that Amazon indexed the keywords and other right. products is wrong or there's just not a big enough selection mm-hmm. of products for that mm-hmm. specific search term. Right. So. Yeah, because let's be honest, they don't sell everything. I mean, you know, there, there are some products that aren't out there or you've gotten too fine-tuned, yeah. you know, because it might not be light blue speckled. <laughs> it might be yeah. light blue stripe or yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Little changes in the phrase mm-hmm. can really make the difference on everything and, you know, the way that you... And this is, and that example of Coke is a perfect example mm-hmm. is that me being from the Northeast, uh, you know, I don't call every soda Coke. I call right. every soda by its name. Uh-huh. It's, Pepsi, it's Dr. Pepper. It's, mm-hmm. Exactly. But if I'm, I'm approaching that from my Northeast mentality, mm-hmm. then I'm not understanding that I'm going to be spending a lot of money on the keyword Coke because everyone selling soda is going to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, using the keyword right. Coke. So right. it's interesting. And then you got that little word in there called pop. 
You yeah. know, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. from Colorado. We called it pop. When people called, you know, they, they wanted soda. I'm like, soda? That's like, you want baking soda? I'm very confused. <laughs> it's so interesting, the, the differences between words that we use all over the country. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this is very difficult when you get into advertising mm-hmm. and figuring out exactly what the keywords are. Using right. regional keywords mm-hmm. is a part of your advertising mm-hmm. strategy, depending on what the product mm-hmm. is. Right. Well, and then you toss in countries, um, yeah. you know, where they're going to call something totally different. I mean, you know, I'm scrolling through here and it's selling wellies. Now, I happen to know what a wellie is. Um, it's, it's a rain boot, but okay. that's what they call them in England. And, but for some reason, wellie has to, I just like the word, so I call it a wellie. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a rubber rain boot. Is, that's a wellie. Um, you know, and, and so again, if, you know, if you're going to be selling things, and even if you're not selling them, to those countries. People yeah. from those countries might be living here and looking for them. So, you know, so that's complicated. So, Mike, I'm guessing the big thing is, you know, now, now what we did was we just freaked everybody out. They went, oh, my God, <laughs> I can't do this. And so that's where a company like yours comes in. Yeah. So tell us, yeah, like, I mean, just keywords. Yeah, you know, I, I, all these various things. And you're saying, okay, we have to advertise. We have to do this. We have to do that. Tell us what your company does and how you can work with people. Sure. Uh, so what we do is we partner with brands and manufacturers that want to sell on the platform. I mean, Amazon is the greatest brand awareness tool there is in e-commerce right now. If you're trying to find new customers, it's the perfect place to be. And what we do is we manage the entire process for you. So we do everything from the initial keyword research to creating the sales copy, SEO, doing the graphic design and the imagery. We literally handle the entire process for everyone so that they don't have to worry about mm-hmm. this. And you know, So I'd send you my cup and you would sell my cup. <laughs> exactly. Whatever, whatever product you send me, we will sell. Um, obviously, we, we have more success with uh, certain categories than mm-hmm. others. I mean, we primarily focus on the uh, apparel, pet supplies, okay. uh, food, mm-hmm. um, among other categories, health mm-hmm. supplements, things like that. We, those are the categories we typically sell in. But I mean, really, the fundamentals of Amazon can be applied to any category within that space. And you know, we're glad to have a conversation with any company that's interested in learning more about their Amazon opportunities mm-hmm. and just testing out the platform and seeing if they can you know, start turning it into a viable sales channel right. for their business. Right. You know, and, and of course, one of the biggest pe- things that people say is, well, you know, Amazon is going to take a cut. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. they they have to be making money off this too. So, you know, that's part of it is figuring in the pricing. Yep. But then, you know, and, and but again, they're covering the shipping, they're covering the marketing, all of those various things. So it's just, you know, part of the cost of doing business to to, you know, so you you include that when you're figuring out what your pricing of your product should be. This is exactly why I refer to Amazon as the greatest brand awareness tool that there is out there because you're right, Amazon is taking their cut. Your margins may be lower than they would be through selling on your own platform, but the trade-off you're getting is the reach that you're going to have to new right. customers is is expanded greatly. Mm-hmm. So in a way, the strategy you need to figure out is how can I build my brand awareness on Amazon and then how can I take these customers and eventually get them to my website to purchase right. from me in the future? Mm-hmm. Because that's where the real value is and being able to build out an email Mm -hmm. list or a retargeting pixel so you can advertise Mm -hmm. and be more efficient with your advertising spend. But Amazon, from the standpoint of uh, being a profitable sales channel, may not be perfect for every category depending on how competitive the prices are. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. on the brand awareness perspective, it can be huge Mm -hmm. for actually growing your brand over time. Right. 
you know, and just like any of those things, you know, you, you want, you still want to have all that data, as much data as you can get. Um, you know, I, I know people and, and I cringe anytime somebody tells me this, I don't have a website. I just have a Facebook business page <laughs> and, you know, and, and I try not to go, you know, and smack them upside the head, but I tell them, you know, you need to understand that could change in a flash. Yeah. You know, Facebook could say, sorry, you know, we're, we're not going to give you access to your page or it's going to cost you $10,000 or, you know, all of those various things. So it's, it's exactly as you said, you need to somehow get the data that you want. Now, I mean, you might be perfectly happy with having a website on Facebook and if it goes away, well, you know, it goes away. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you've got, you know, and, and I know there are many people who are 100% through Amazon and that's yeah. great. You know, and, and Amazon is, is obviously structured different than Facebook, but, you know, it's it, the it is, you still have to recognize you're going through somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge risk to a lot of businesses. A lot of businesses are over relying on the Amazon platform instead of building out these other sales Mm -hmm. channels as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, Amazon is great for brand awareness, Mm -hmm. getting your name out there. But if you solely rely on Amazon, Mm -hmm. I mean, there is, there are some horror stories I can tell Mm -hmm. you of companies that have had a hundred percent of their business on Amazon and then their Amazon account gets shut down because Mm -hmm. they used a a competitor keyword or something or, uh, I'm I'm sure the terms of service for being a third party vendor are really pretty detailed, you know, and, and so I, you know, pay attention to those folks, you know, and, and yeah, don't think, Ooh, I can, I can slip my competitor's name in there. They figure these out. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's pretty easy for them. They, they have the technology to do it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I, doing everything by the book, every, the way that Amazon says is the best way to be successful, mm-hmm. but also not putting all your eggs in one basket in the Amazon basket particularly right. is extremely mm-hmm. important while you're in e-commerce. Right, right. So do you see, you know, we've only got a couple minutes left. Do you see that there's any real competitors to Amazon? Uh, I mean, I think you kind of... Uh, said it well before that Walmart has the opportunity to be a really big competitor with Amazon. They obviously have a lot more investment they need to make. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about the retail footprint, the ability to actually get the product to the end consumer, Walmart is positioned really well to be there. The challenge for them is going to be how do they attract the customers? Like mm-hmm. for Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime Video, Prime Music, right. those are huge uh, magnets to bring customers in because there are additional benefits and they're actually loss leaders for Amazon. Right. So while even the retail side doesn't make much money, the advertising business mm-hmm. is where Amazon makes their money. So, mm-hmm. you know, they have all these other businesses or mm-hmm. other product lines that are, are used to attract mm-hmm. customers to the platform. And that's something Walmart doesn't really have. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just rolled out Walmart Plus, which is mm-hmm. essentially designed to compete right. with Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. But the other features that Walmart Plus has or doesn't have, I mm-hmm. should say, is going to make it more of a challenge to get right. the same customer loyalty base yeah. that Amazon. Yeah, Prime. when Am, you know, I got Amazon Prime for the shipping. I mean, you know, that was that was it. It was like, okay, I'll spend my seventy nine bucks a year, whatever it was, because it did. It paid for itself really pretty quickly to to get yeah. free shipping. Then when they added the video components, I'm like, oh my gosh! I mean, you know, <laughs> hello, Mrs. Maisel. Um, <laughs> And we watched the boys last night, um, you know, and and some, you know, I mean, we watch Amazon Prime virtually every day, uh, you know, and and so and yeah, so there's no way that they make money off of us on on that. But you're right, it's it's the other things that are in there. And it'll be interesting to see if anybody and, you know, like one of the the things that they were saying is that aren't they saying Walmart is, is wanting to buy TikTok? 
Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. that is Mm -hmm. uh, someone that is one of the discussions going Mm -hmm. on. And this this is exactly what these platforms need Mm -hmm. to do to actually uh, be able to compete with the Amazon Prime place. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like, you know, maybe Walmart isn't able to create their content like Mm -hmm. Amazon Prime is, but maybe they can create a partnership Mm -hmm. with Hulu or Mm -hmm. Roku or Netflix or someone else to bring it in as part Mm -hmm. of their membership fee. Right. And then attract customers in that way. And I mean, it yeah. just opens up. The see, I'd see Walmart and Disney as, as the perfect match. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. there's, there's so many good opportunities out there and like, it's just going to be interesting to see how Walmart evolves and how uh, their membership program mm-hmm. grows to compete mm-hmm. with Amazon prime. I right. mean, that's the real threat when mm-hmm. it comes to Amazon, uh, mm-hmm. to the e-commerce space of who's mm-hmm. going to compete with Amazon right. and the way they execute it is really going to mm-hmm. determine yeah. how it goes. You know, and back to what we were saying at the start, people are now getting used to shopping online, um, you know, and, and, and that's just the way that, that, you know, once you start it, you realize, oh, this is pretty easy. I can do this in, <laughs> like everything. I can do this in my jammies. Um, you know, I don't have to leave home. The other day I figured out I've gassed up my car three times since March. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so, the, so that gives me money to spend somewhere else. But my husband doesn't quite see it that way. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it's just we're, e- e-commerce is here to stay. I mean, that, yeah. that is a thing. And, and, so it's, and, and I love that you talked about the services can be on Amazon because I had no idea, um, you know, and, and so some things like that. So I think it's definitely worth checking out. So if somebody wants to contact you and reach out to you, how do they do that? Yeah. So the best play, uh, the best way to get in touch with us would be to reach out to our website, okay. amzadvisors.com. You can also email me directly. My email is mike at amzadvisors.com. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always glad to try to help anyone we can either with the, the Amazon side or just try to find the best solution for them in the e-commerce space. I mean, we have a variety of different products that we sell, uh, you know, in addition to consulting services, mm-hmm. we do content services, educational courses for the Amazon cool. platform. So there's a lot of good opportunities for people that are looking to learn more about e-commerce and get into the space, but, you know, aren't really sure exactly what to do yet. Great. I love it. Well, Mike, we'll have to chat again in, you know, six months to a year because hopefully the pandemic will have settled down by then. You know, we'll have, something will have happened one way or the other. Um, and, and so it'll be great to, to kind of see, okay, now what has happened, uh, you know, and, and how have people shifted and, and things like that. And like I said, the drones should be more popular by then. That'll be fun. I just, I can't wait for drones. That'll be fun. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's, I, but then I, you know, I love like seeing, you know, the bald eagle attacking the drone and wherever that was. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so this will be great. So we will definitely have to chat again. But until then, do you have any final thoughts for everyone? No, uh, you know, I really don't. I mean, obviously, the one thing I will say is that we're coming up to Q4 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this September, Q4 is right around the corner. I, if you're going to oh. get into e-commerce, mm-hmm. you know, Prime Day is hitting in October. Mm-hmm. And then we got Black Friday, Cyber mm-hmm. Monday. It's going to be the biggest Q4 mm-hmm. probably ever right. <laughs> online yeah. in general. And so keep that in mind. I mean, if you can't, as we were saying, if you can't fulfill... Yeah. Wait till January, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. There's going to be lots of opportunities for, for a lot of businesses, whether it's now, whether it's in the new year. Mm-hmm. Just be ready and start get, taking these, mm-hmm. uh, these steps to really get yourself mm-hmm. online and start growing your business there. Cool. I love it. Well, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a great discussion with Mike Begg from AMZ Advisors. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>